Listeners, welcome back to Last Film Standing, episode number 117, your conversational movie review and news podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Jones, and joining me, as always, with his, not sure where he left his car keys and other such things, trying to let you know, listeners, that whatever he saw in the woods is And trying to really figure out how to break the cycle of life that we are living inside of. The man known only as Z versus his given legal name. I remember (laughs) that day. All those years ago. And we are coming to you recorded live April 9th, 2013 from Brooklyn, New York. On today's show, we'll be talking about recent releases. How are you uh, flipping those? Evil Dead, Trance, and Upstream Color. Yes, we'll also be discussing this week's Plugs of the Week. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you just joining Last Film Standing for the very first time to be a part of the show, you can tweet at and follow myself on Twitter at Lamar Diablo. You can follow Zed here at Last Z Standing. You can email us at feedback at lastfilmstanding.com. And of course, you can write on our Facebook fan page wall at facebook.com slash lastfilmstanding. And so, listeners, without further ado, let's go, go to, to the movies. movies. So, and, um, yeah. yeah, so then now, this week we got, we got three movies that we're going to be discussing. Um, and uh, Brandon, you 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 got me on on this week. I only saw one, but you saw all three of them, right? Um, so the first one we'll be discussing is uh, the highest earning this week, and you know, kind of uh, it's been um, people have been talking about this uh, film. It's a remake of an older uh, film, and it is the Evil Dead. Uh, made about $25.7 million. It's directed by Fede Alvarez, uh, who is, this is his first feature. Um, and it's starring Jane Levy, Shyla Fernandez, and Jessica Lucas. Um, it was also written by Fede Alvarez, and uh, it's based on the 1981 um, film by Sam Raimi, uh, who uh, wrote the screenplay and I believe produced this one, right? Yeah. Um, so in Evil Dead uh, is, you know, kind of the standard story of the five friends who head to a remote cabin where the discovery of a book of the dead leads them to unwittingly summon up demons living in the nearby woods. The evil presence possesses them until only one is left to fight for survival. So, now this... To me, you know, like, holds very little interest. Uh, I am not a big fan of horror movies in, in general, unless I feel like they're bringing something new to the genre. Like, um, I really liked sort of films like Scream. I even enjoyed uh, Cabin in the Woods. You know, anything that, that kind of adds another wrinkle, just kind of does something new. Even Saw, the original one, I thought that kind of like inclusion of the morality within the storyline was really interesting. And the reason why this really didn't 
draw me in is because I just didn't see anything sort of new in this. It's a standard old story. They read from the Book of Dead, something evil is released, it starts killing them, maybe one survives, maybe it doesn't, who knows, but that's kind of the same old, same old. Uh, is it really like that, or does it bring something new to the genre, uh, or is it just kind of the level of the gore and kind of, um, you know, the scares that are that they're trying to up with this? So. Um, I mean, I, I, I had expectations that were, I would say, mitigated on the fact that I had hoped it was going to be cool. Um, I've never seen the first one. My attraction to horror is really... I, I become impressed when I do actually forget that I'm watching a movie and I can kind of feel the tension um, as you're trying to f like figure out what's going to happen next. And so uh, I, I was I was secretly hopeful, I guess, of this movie. I'm um, leading up to the leading up to it maybe uh, two or three days um, beforehand. A lot of the articles I was seeing when the reviews uh, the embargo had been lifted. Uh, was basically that it was just kind of gross, um, but wasn't really doing anything fresh with it. And to that point, there are a lot of moments in it that you're kind of like, yeah, it is 2013. I guess we are at that point where an R-rated movie shows this happening um, at this moment. Um, it's a little gruesome. There's kind of like one part where I kind of made just like a weird face as it's uh, kind of going on. <laughs> like it's just like, ah, it's gross. Um, the, the kind of the claim, uh, sort of the claim to fame with that though was that even though I kind of call shenanigans on it, um, but I, I was reading an article that said that this movie didn't utilize any CGI at all. Um, that it was all practical effects and things like that. For the most part, everything, watching the movie with that sort of lens on... I felt like everything uh, that they did was, you know, practical, you know, the cuttings and the slashings and the kind of usual kind of stuff, all makeup. But there was one, like, really arbitrary sort of shot that I saw that I was like, you know, that looks CG. Um, nothing horror-related. It was just kind of uh, when they're first arriving to the cabin and the Jeep drives through this creek. There's a, there's a thing about gravity that CGI, it's usually gravity, water, and hair that people have a hard time um doing and there was just a weird gravity plus water shot uh that this jeep drives through and i was like oh that would be weird if that was cgi for no reason um but outside of that i kind of was bored in this movie uh i would say bored slash entertained um in the fact that i blame that on the fact that i had seen cabin in the woods and cabin in the woods is more or less a beat for beat remake or I would say reimagining of the original Evil Dead with you know these five friends who go to a cabin but the, but the thing I mean, I'm not familiar with the original Evil Dead either so like that wasn't really like yeah, yeah I but, didn't know that but the thing that's cool about Cabin in the Woods is that it's kind of like oh okay well why this movie is going on we're going to show you kind of a different point of view or a different perspective of the events of that movie. Yeah, that was kind of what and that's what made so it yeah. interesting about that. Movie. And even though it's got like the beat for beat thing to it, it makes it feel original and fresh. So watching this, it's pretty much just a okay, we shot the same movie um, that we shot thirty years ago now, and it kind of and it looks it just like looks. Maybe better yeah but there's nothing really going on and i think the the biggest issue that i had with it was sort of 
2013 logic that a lot of movies at least poke fun at and then kind of work their way around it. Like the idea of, so back in the day, people didn't have cell phones, so if they were trapped in the woods, you're just trapped in well, the woods. Well, there's no signal in the yeah. woods. Let's just, just yeah. assume that. that. That's been established, I think, in yeah. every single but there's always that. Ever. But there's always that moment where someone does the arbitrary, like, Even oh, we've project. crashed. Yeah, and they look at the phone like, oh, there's no signal. Like, it's kind of like just these weird things. do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. where it's like, you know, give the throwaway, you know, thank God we invented the such and such line. But in this movie, it's like, again, like... We, so you could smoke in the... <laughs> yeah, so you could smoke in space. Uh, and the thing that bothers me about this smoking. movie... <laughs> Love that. ...is, all right, so it's 2013, and again, like, we, we've had this conversation sort of before where it's like, all right, what what is... Where you draw the logic line between... Do horror movies exist in this universe and people's logical curiosity for something? I, I think so. So I'll, I'll give horror movies this out. Now, um, I say that people think when they're watching a horror movie, they wouldn't act the way a person in a horror movie acts. But so, so here's my uh, thing to it. We live in a world where these kind of things don't happen. At least not to our knowledge, <laughs> for the most part. Um, now, let me, you know, and this is just something that I was like, I was thinking about like the other day. Like I was just sitting at home and I heard a noise, you know, I was on my computer, like it, it was like dark, and, uh, you know, like I was just on my computer doing stuff and I heard the noise over, um, you know, I live in a studio, so it's not that far away from me. <laughs> But it's kind of behind like a little bit of a curtain where like my closets are and stuff. And I heard a noise. And it, you know, I got up and walked over there to see what what happened. And like my sh- my shirt fell off a hanger or whatever the hell happened. I can't even remember anymore. So it was like something that fell down. Uh, oh, it was a belt that fell down. And like I picked it up and put it put it back up now in a horror movie everybody would be like oh why would you even go look at that you know like everybody would would kind of start saying this whole thing like oh yeah like i wouldn't do that yeah you would in your apartment when you're sitting at home relaxing watching tv you hear a noise you you go and look what it is I agree with you. Know, you. I agree you don't, with you with that. You yeah. don't just randomly run out of your apartment screaming, you know. Uh, it just, nobody does that because everybody would be doing it all the t- fucking time. You constantly have people running running out screaming out of their apartment. No, no, I totally agree with that, that convention. Like, I think stuff like that, like looking for the noise, looking where, why doesn't your car start, like dropping keys, all that stuff, where it's just like, oh, I would never drop my keys. Yeah, you'd probably drop your keys. We've all dropped, like stuff like that. Totally fine. This movie, it's like, okay, we walk into a cabin that's isolated, completely isolated in these woods, that the lock on the door has been kicked in. So it's like, the guy's going, okay, yeah, we're macho, it's day, let's go in and kind of do the whole, like, Call of Duty clear thing. Because we, you know, we, if something jumps out, we, we have got played it. We got Call it. Of yeah, Duty. and we, we have, we've got ladies here, we've got it. But then it's like, okay, so there's that. And then there's the, the dog that, smells that there's something beneath the floorboards. So then they discover the little, um, like, cellar that that you kind of see in the trailer. Cool, fine. They go down into the cellar. Now, this is when you get to that, like, okay. Even, uh, so that's kind of like, okay. Yeah, it's like, all right, you would go down there. That's where I might might consider 
going or not going. But see, then it's if, like, if nothing else, for like some fucking poisonous snakes or shit. Then yeah, exactly, because it's the middle of the woods. Yeah. and then it's like okay, so then you see hanging like animals that are like more or less fresh. They're not still bleeding, but like they still have hair. They're not skeletons. At that point, that would be my, okay, someone, whoever kicked in this door has been here recently and may yeah. or may not be coming back. And the type of person the yeah, that hangs animals from chains from the ceiling, that's your cue to be like, all right, let's not stay here. Let's go somewhere else. But, of course, they persist. They go through. And Why were they in that cabin anyway? They were there. Were they the over, there? And I don't know what the original Evil Dead reason was, but they're there because the girl from the trailer uh, who becomes possessed... Uh, she's she's basically a junkie, and so they come to this cabin so that she can quit cold turkey. How do they know about this cabin? Uh, it is their parents' cabin that they used to go to when they were kids, and they decided to come out there now that they're adults. And their parents haven't been, and no one has been there. I think their parents are their parents are dead, um, and the like okay. shuffling of the plot that they give in the first ten fifteen minutes. Um, but okay, so, yeah. so, so it's like, okay, so by, by putting all that aside, putting all that aside, okay. then you see a book wrapped in a trash bag with barbed wire coiled around it amidst these hanging things. And at no point, at no point would I think, oh, let me see, why is this book down with? And it's like a thing where they bring it upstairs which, again, why are you touching things in this basement? They bring it upstairs, and it sits for, like, a good 10, 15 minutes of on-screen time. And then one character is just bored, because, like, there's this whole brother-sister, the sister is the girl who uh, is kind of cold turkey, and there's this whole group dynamic of whatever's going on. And so he's just chilling, and he decides to clip open this barbed wire and pull open the trash bag to reveal a book made of human skin that has been stitched together. Again... Why are you messing with this book? So then he opens the book. Did he recognize that it was human skin, or could it he have just been, does like, the just like fight. prerequisite? What the fuck? And like you know, just like his hands are sticky and all stuff, but he proceeds to open it. Now he opens the book, and there's blood like stains all over it. There's things etched out like close this book. That have all these warnings. Which okay, let's say you decide to ignore all of those things. Because the movie because, can, because, still, the movie can because, still write itself at this point. Where he could have just been like, oh, okay, this is kind of a weird book, whatever. But then he comes to a page that says, do not read this out loud. And it's scribbled, blacked out, so you can't actually read it. So then he takes a piece of paper and does that like, what was the last thing written here? And scratches it so that he can figure out what was written there. And as he's scratching it, he's reading it out loud. And I was just like, ladies and gentlemen, at what point during these 12 steps where you could have all survived this <laughs> night, did you not just think, let me just leave this alone? And then, of course, he frees the beast, which is the nature of this movie. And then everyone dies in the most gruesome torture porn way possible, one by one. And it's kind of like... I don't know. I, I, I want to see a movie where people end up in this situation and somehow are forced into that situation. Like, it's like... Like Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, like Cabin in the Woods, which, like, makes perfect I sense. I think, right? They are... They do kind yes. of go downstairs to the basement and... 
And they're kind of forced to pick one of the things. Yeah, there I are think. like multiple things in there that they can interact with. In, in that movie, and the book is not bad. Like, the yeah, book, yeah. I think, just like falls it's open, like and then they kind of look at yeah. So that makes sense. Okay. It's like, oh, what is this book? But like again, to pry open this book, like, and then you know, so the movie, usual horror conventions, things. You know, um, there really aren't a lot of like jump out scares, which I guess is cool because I was getting really tired of those um, years and years ago. But then it, the movie kind of breaks its own rules to a certain extent because it kind of explains how you can rectify this whole demon situation. Uh, they sort of do, but then it sort of doesn't work. And I just kind of kept sitting there thinking, like, wait, I thought he said that if they did this, then it wouldn't this, but, like, this movie's still going on, so then what that are means the rules? That was of, a like, yeah. yeah, I mean, so, it, it was, yeah. well... That is actually kind of a horror convention yeah. where you get the fake yeah. kind of like, oh, this is the solution to yeah. your problem, and then you kind of do it, but it's not really a solution. That's yeah. almost like a convention at yeah. this point. Which because... is done extremely well in the ring, because uh, I remember thinking yes. when that movie was doing that, I was like, oh, that's kind of anticlimactic, and I was like, oh, all right, awesome, this is cool now. Yeah. Um, the Ring was actually really good, too. Yeah. I, I'll give you that. And I wouldn't even say that The Ring was a scary movie. It was just a really well-made movie. Which is why I was kind of expecting this I movie. I mean, it, it does have sort of its creepy aspects. Yes. Yeah. I'll say. Yeah. So um, it's 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 more of a creepy movie than scary. I, I guess you know. I guess if you'd have to separate the two, yeah. <laughs> it's more creepy than scary. But I, th- I think that's scary. That's scary enough for right. a lot of people. Um, I mean, the really only things I can kind of say about this movie is that it really does go for it, though. Like, you know, it knows that it's a horror movie. It knows that it's based on this cult classic. Uh, And, you know, with these kills and these deaths and sort of the demon thing, uh, it really does kind of just, you know, unflinchingly in-your-face, gross-out kind of stuff. Um, So I guess this is really sort of a a kind of connoisseur's... Uh, Yeah, I mean, I would say it's sort of a... The same way that we, like, for example, myself, um, for me, the genre that I could watch, you know, just a film full of genre conventions is film noir. Like, I could literally watch something that's that's sort of that by the numbers, you know, the detective with the voiceover and all of that stuff. I can watch that and it doesn't bother me of course, if it's well made, yeah. it doesn't bother me if it's made well within the genre. And and I always find the le- that like the differences that you then kind of throw in there are enough for me to keep my attention. But I I also find that that genre is kind of you know broad. Yeah. In the same way that I guess the horror genre is broad, you know, considering slasher and whatever. Um, but you know, so so is does this at least kind of. Do you think does this satisfy at least that kind of craving? Yeah, I think so. Because I, I, I would, I would not say that this is a bad movie. I would say that it's just an ordinary movie. Um, but it's, yeah, it's well made for what it is. Again, because it goes after these kills and these sort of like deaths, um, in a way. But the thing is, it's, it's, it feels like it's nothing new. If it didn't have the legacy behind it, it's sort of what I was saying about Star Wars. Um, so like, it's not the scariest movie that you will ever see. No, and I think because <laughs> it's, you know, I, that still has the uh, Paranormal Activity 2 still holds that in my book. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, just because that's a, like that's the only movie where I've been like, 
I know this is a movie, but I'm so, like, I feel so tense right now. Like, I, I was the same way with a few episodes of, like, 24, where it's just, like, I know this is, I'm watching a TV show, but it's, like, the real-time aspect where it's just, like, oh, man, are they going to, like, get this done? Are they going to do this kind of thing? Like, it's, like, Paranormal Activity had me like that. Evil Dead, it's sort of like what I was saying about Star Wars, um, what I said before on the podcast about if The Phantom Menace came out back in late 90s when it did uh, and didn't have Star Wars in front of it, that movie would have been in theaters for two weeks before it was basically laughed out of theaters. But because it had Star Wars attached to it, it had so much other goodwill from anything else Star Wars related that that's why that movie was successful uh, financially. Um, with this, it, that that's what this movie sort of feels like, where at least this movie is sort of watchable. I wouldn't think that this movie itself unto itself would become a cult classic, but it's just kind of like, all right, well, if you didn't have the original in mind, which I think the audience was older, it wasn't like a lot of younger people coming in to watch like a horror movie and hope that they were going to be scared. It was a lot of these people who came into the theater that I was in, kind of like, oh, we remember like the, the original, like let's go watch this and have fun. Um, and that's kind of what it was. I think maybe with a different cast, with a Cabin in the Woods spin on it, or just a play on the logic kind of thing, or even if it was someone who was just like, oh, don't read outside this book, when, like, you know, like, kind of, like, taunting the audience, where it's like, oh, you know he's going to read it, but, like, he's pretending like he's not going to. Like, this movie was so humorless in that, and that it just was kind of like, oh, okay. Um, okay. Overall, I would give it probably just just a really solid three um, out of five stars. Again, like, it's a cool movie. Um... I'm going to forget. It's going to definitely get lost in the shuffle with other movies this year. Um, but as Z said, I think if you're a horror movie connoisseur, this is just what you're going to check out this weekend. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, there it is. So, no one in the Evil Dead was... We're going to have to get you on this one time. <laughs> this is uh, my roommate, Cece, walking through <laughs> Did you watch a movie this weekend? No. no. Would you want to watch The Evil Dead? Yes, I heard it was really scary. Well, there you have it. <laughs> the perception of the public. <clears throat> so then we have uh, Trance, which is the second movie we're doing. Um, <clears throat> pulled in 131,000. It is on four uh, screens, a limited release. Directed by Danny Boyle, who was responsible for uh, Slumdog Millionaire. That was the best picture winner that year? Is that what that was? I believe so, yes. Okay, yes. yes so Slumdog Millionaire, uh, he's most kind of broke out on the scene with train spotting, and then he did 127 hours. 28 Weeks Later is probably my uh, personal favorite of his. Um, Wait, he did 28 Days Later. 28 Days Later, yes. Not the original one. Yeah. The original Fast Zombie. Yeah, that was probably one of the better zombie movies that I... That I ever seen it made zombies seen. scary to me where it was yeah. just like oh, okay it's not just oh, I'm going to go to get my mail so let me like just bring a baseball bat to like in case anyone gets close it's like oh shit they've seen me if I can't get anywhere and run faster than them I'm dead and, like, and you can run faster than them because those suckers yeah. were they just don't get tired they just keep running they just keep running um, so yeah stars James McAvoy Rosario Dawson and Vincent Cassell is written by Joe Ahern which that name sounded really familiar but had only uh, this is his first feature and then John Hodge uh, who had written Train Spotting The Beach and Shallow Grave so clearly a uh, frequent collaborator with Danny Boyle yeah. so Trance um, 
we had talked a little bit about this when, uh, what was the name of that movie? Um, the other James McAvoy movie. Uh, Welcome, uh, Welcome to the Punch. Welcome to the Punch. We talked a little bit about this because they kind of looked similar uh, in the marketing. Um, Welcome to the Punch. And also, they were both with James McAvoy. Yes. I, I wonder why, um, you know, well, we... We'll discuss Welcome to the Punch. Yeah, and so I just like, thought, yeah, that that's... It's a shame. I was trying to catch it, but it's no longer playing. I'm really surprised that... the one movie it, theater that it played yeah. with, uh, for, like, for a week or so. Yeah, I'm really surprised that that movie... I mean, maybe it's not as good or more art house than the marketing was, but I just that just seemed like a... But it has... Like a run... Like, it has yeah, Mark it Strong has Mark in Strong. it. <laughs> they were just like, Mark Strong is acting too hard in this movie. Just don't, we can't even release it. We can't even release it. Um, but yeah, so Trance, uh, interesting cast. Um, you know, it's basically this movie about an art auctioneer who has become mixed up with a group of criminal partners with a hypnotherapist. Um, or rather, he partners with a hypnotherapist in order to recover a lost painting. Um which also was slightly different. Lost, though. Yeah, painting. the lost painting. Uh, so trance. It, it's an interesting sort of package of a movie. Uh, ironically, I remember when it first opened. I like the first kind of 10, 15 minutes. I thought we're going to be more of the movie, and then it kind of unfolds. Um, I myself didn't really have huge sort of expectations. I was just hoping to go watch like a cool kind of kinetic movie and got something I think that was a little different. Now, I don't know, I don't remember if you were saying that you were also looking forward to this or if this is one of those movies like with us in the podcast where it's just like, I need to watch kind of two, maybe three movies, what are the lesser of evils kind of thing. Uh, what kind of, why did you pick this as your movie sort of this week? Well, I mean, one, I, I actually really like sort of what Danny Boyle does. And I, I like, uh, he, outside of maybe Ang Lee, is someone who's not afraid to take on completely opposite kind of uh, projects. Um, you know, like the variety in their work, those two guys, is just pretty amazing to me. Because most directors kind of stick with sort of a, a genre or kind of a style that they go through. Um, you know, like even the famous one like Alfred Hitchcock, he was kind of like the best at what he did with like suspense and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you, you have even now Christopher Nolan, which we both love, but he, he best does kind of... Uh, gritty realistic sci-fi is kind of what he does really best even even when it's sort of in the past it's still kind of gritty realistic sci-fi uh, but these guys like that do really are not afraid i mean you know train spotting and slumdog millionaire you don't get yeah. you know and then 127 hours and 28 days later it's just like these vastly different things so He's i was looking British forward to it yeah, so I was looking forward to seeing that, and also I actually am a fan of James McAvoy. He's done some really great stuff um, in the past, and he kind of has been gone for a little while. Um, I feel like I haven't seen him for a while, and and you know now he was coming back with those two movies, and I was looking forward to seeing both of them until I figured out that Welcome to the Punch wasn't going to be shown um, <laughs> anymore. Uh, so I was looking forward to this. And as you said, you know, um, I saw this and, and they kind of, um, well, you almost have a feeling that if you watch the trailers, they give away sort of what's happening. Yeah. 
there is still more to the story, uh, which is really nice, which was really cool. And, and, and it does take a turn that one sort of hasn't really anticipated, but it does it in not one of those kind of like, oh, we fooled you way, yeah. but it's kind of like, this is really kind of uh, more where, where it's going. Um, so I, you know, I really enjoyed this. You know, I like kind of how it, you know, develops and where it goes and like the steps it takes. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard to speak too much about this film without giving a lot away, which yeah. I'm trying to kind of prevent. But I have to say, like, um, it, it was really awesome to see this whole um, this whole story idea of, um, you know, the whole play between hero and villain kind of sides. And, and it was done really well and kind of re-examined, like, a lot of difference. It's really in a, in a, in a space of its own. It you know you can't really name too many films that will kind of play along with it. It is kind of a heist caper, but then it adds like all these other dimensions to it, and you know it's just really becomes something kind of an animal of its own, and it's just surprisingly good. Know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I was as kind of, I guess it's sort of, I didn't like it as much, I think, as you did, and I feel like it was because it was one of those movies that I would say it's not as bad as it was almost good, it's that I was losing interest in it. And there's this one scene of exposition that is so good that it sort of strangely tries to, like, fix the movie that you've been watching before. And as it's kind of, like, shifting your perspective on it, I was like, man, like, I wish the rest of the movie was as great as now what we're being told in base of this really cool monologue and this visuals that are going along with it that like leads up to it. I think I think the the interesting part about that is that when you kind of then look back at the film through that lens, yeah. it, it strengthens everything. And I enjoyed that. Um, and so to to me, in a way, that's kind of the anti Dark Knight Rises, where. The Dark Knight Rises, you watch this whole movie and it's really strong and you have this kind of like crazy villain and he's like amazing and all this stuff. And then the ending just kind of wipes all of that away. Yeah. And makes the rest, <laughs> the past of the film kind of weaker for all it's it did. And in this, this does exactly the opposite. It's yeah. like you watch this and it's, you know, it's a decent enough, it's kind of entertaining, you're kind of trying to piece these things together. You're kind of curious and wondering what the hell happened, really. Um, I wish that was a little better. Yeah. I wish, uh, yeah. I wish they had found a, I wish it had been a little bit more of like a puzzle as far as that goes. Yeah. But, Fine, you know, it's it's reasonable enough, I think, you know, kind of whatever, plausible enough to, to what was happening. And then sort of they they add this other dimension to everything that, that we've seen up to that point, which, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah. 
it's you know like it's it's one of those scenes where as it's unfolding i was just like oh wow like that is really cool and it's kind of you know as you said it it, it strengthens everything that's come before um and then afterwards i felt that it kind of again lost the strength that that scene um brought to the movie and then the movie then kind of gets into this okay is this is this this is this that is this this is this that kind of thing at which point it just kind of i don't know like the, the movie didn't hold together as cohesively by kind of the end credits as i was hoping it would um like i was really hoping to like walk away from this with that sort of uh and for those of you who have seen it that inception sort of cohesiveness where it's just like okay like what was you know sort of like asking yourself that question of you know did this movie end the way that i think it did did these scenes that were now being told with this or that like at what point kind of are we are we at it has a very sort of i guess both christopher Nolan movies but inception memento like quality to it um but in the in the world of hypnosis, which is which is also interesting, kind of just through that lens. But um, yeah, I mean, myself as far as a rating would go, uh, I also put it again in that sort of three territory. Um, and mainly, what that means for me is it's just like it was a cool movie that just needed some tweaking. I think I don't know what that tweaking would have been, but just sort of, as I said, that, that, that scene that, that we're kind of talking around really is a strong scene and really yeah. does kind of do wonders for well, what you've been watching. It, but. it also, I mean, it just changes the, the whole sort of, like, power uh, play of the film, like, yeah. sort of the control, where does it lie and kind of, like, how it goes. And, and I think it's, it's, it's pretty empowering and pretty cool. Um, I, you know... Overall, I just really, you know, I, I'd have to say I, I'd, I'd probably go with a four for this. So, um, just to kind of, just the way I feel about this film, I, I'd have to go closer to a four for this. Um, I just thought it was really strong. Okay. Yeah. That is trance. And then, they tranced. And they imagined that there was this blob of color, blue color, that was going upstream, coming from a pig. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about that title, that is almost pretty arbitrary. Anyways, um... (laughs) Upstream Color! What's up? What's up? Upstream Color took about 28,000. Uh, uh, it was, I believe, shown one on one screen at the IFC Center in New York City here. Uh, <laughs> I was actually going to go see it this morning, and then I realized last night, as I was trying to find out the show times, that I think the IFC is now in Tribeca Film Festival mode. Um, which is opening on the 15th. So I guess today is kind of like maybe they're doing like three screenings or whatever the hell is going on. So that, that was it. So I didn't really have a chance to see it. Um, it was directed by Shane Carruth, who is 
well known for his 2007 film Primer. Uh, very done, very on the cheap, kind of like had has been uh, kind of a critical success for the most part, even though there are people who didn't like it. Um, but has kind of uh, created this whole mindfuck of people who've been trying to solve this for years and years and years and are now getting close to solving it. Uh, considering that it's six years later, that's an interesting thing. Um, but that's kind of cool. Um, and uh, so Shane Carruth uh, did this film in a very similar fashion on the shoestring budget kind of probably a little bit more because now he had a little bit extra money um also did it in in like uttermost secrecy like no one really knew that this was even being made until it was done uh so that was kind of interesting um, there's a lot of hats in this movie a lot of hats uh director writer star producer editor and camera person director photography yes there you go. Yeah. I was thinking, like, he wears actual physical hats, but <laughs> hats. I was like, why does that matter? Maybe so that people wouldn't recognize him. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, it, But it's starring, outside of him, Amy Simons and Frank Mosley. Um, and so Upstream Color is a story best told sort of in a yeah. short synopsis if possible for a shame for a movie sense now that I see it. Um, is a man and a woman are drawn together entangled in the life of a, in the life cycle of an ageless organism identity becomes an illusion as they struggle to assemble the loose fragments of their record lies lies or lives could be both, could be both. Yeah. who knows <laughs> it's upstream color by <laughs> Shane Carruth. So, Brandon, you know, like this this film, you know, not publicized. There's not a lot of information about it. I've heard about it a little bit. Um, you know, I've read about about it a little bit. But, um, you know, I still have, you know, clearly no idea. Um, is this movie another one of those, like, it's a safe that you now are going to spend years trying to crack to get to the money inside or <laughs> or does it, is it maybe a little more accessible than Primer or does it kind of like is it still a lot more sort of out there um <clears throat> so I, I had the fortune of watching this movie with the with Shane Carruth being uh, a part of the Q and A. Uh, so he answered a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, very cool guy. Uh, it always sounds weird to me to um, to compliment someone by saying they're articulate, but um, he was very articulate with how weird he this speak movie is. Good. Yeah, uh, and he was able to say it in a way that was cool because he was able to, to to speak from intelligently from a creator's point of view in making this sort of experimental film. You know what I mean? Like he was able to say, oh, well, even though you're looking at this or you're experiencing this, the movie, you know, should be this or my goal with this scene was this. Um, I really like this movie. This is another movie, um, I think, um, as I was saying, as far as sort of best movies of the year, 
uh, with, you know, Spring Breakers. Spring Breakers is definitely my movie of the year. Probably is going to be my movie of the year when 2012 is done. Um, unless Man of Steel really? is just, like, You're already epic. calling it? Unless Man of Steel is just epic. Um, there's a lot of movies There's a lot of stuff. Out, there's still a lot of stuff to come out. There's still a lot of movies to come out. But, I mean, uh, listen, yeah. Spring Breakers, I really yeah. enjoyed it, along with Stoker, yeah. probably some of the best films yeah. so far. All the best films seen. this year. Uh, I started with an S... Spring Breakers, Stoker, and then uh, you haven't seen Side Effects, but Side Strands. Effects are You watch Strands? Strands? No, no. <laughs> I, I mean, to me, like, I enjoyed that. I, I did enjoy The Place Beyond the Pines also. Yeah. Know, but um, I think more than you did, right? You yeah. Didn't really? Yeah. You're kind of down on that. You were all about G.I. Joe. No, Olympus Has Fallen was your. Yeah, that was a course. weird week. Five movies of just like painfully trying to pick one that you should go watch, listeners. Um, so with this upstream color, uh, this is another movie like Spring Breakers, uh, in that it is, I would say more of a... Dead Man Down, that was a good movie. Yeah. Uh, well, see, I think that was my point, where I think, uh, when we watched the movie, I was just like, yeah, I don't think we will remember that we saw it. <laughs> well, then again, <laughs> I mean, good. to be honest, yeah. I really have a hard time sort of keeping track of films that I've seen. Yeah. Um, you can ask me, like, next week, what did you see, and it will take me, like, 20 minutes to try and figure it out. Yeah, unless it really kind of shakes you by the lapel. Yeah, I think Stoker is the one that I just don't forget for some reason, just because it was so different and so, like, ingrained, yeah. but, yeah. But, yeah, with Upstream Color, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a strange movie because it is more of an experience than... A straightforward narrative and I think that's why people get sort of hung up on primer um, and I think a lot of what that is is the lack of people paying attention to movies nowadays um, any given theater I've been in, in the last like year or two years at some point someone will take out their cell phone and start going onto Facebook and other things and I'm just like man like you can't like pay to sit in an environment for two hours and not check like it's like it's one thing to like oh someone's calling me okay i'm like put it back in but it's just like people just like checking emails like writing and i'm just like why are you even here kind of thing and i think memento when i saw that movie like i was never someone to just like play around in a theater because for me in the theater was always kind of like a cool like you're going to have this experience but Memento kind of took it to another level because I remember really focusing on something and thinking like, oh, if I blink or if I look away from the screen, I'm going to miss it and be yeah, completely lost. Yeah, because it demands your attention. Yeah. You know, you have those two storylines and you're trying to keep everything sort of like yeah. together. Like what's I mean, happening. Like, you know, it's it's coming to some kind of a conclusion that, that's going to sort of wrap it all up. Yeah. But like uh, uh, until then, you're sort of like really have to keep it all in your head. Yeah. And with Primer, it's sort of the same way. And I, I, the reason Primer, the first time I saw that, sticks out in my head so much is because uh, one of my really good friends, uh, he was just infamous for kind of like talking through movies. And it was like one Saturday morning, and we woke up. Wow, the fact that like Netflix is like, this is back when you had to watch it on DVD. Uh, on the original Xbox, and we like pop it in, and he's just like, both of us are just motionless and dead silent. And we're just watching this movie. And we're just like, wow, like, what is this movie about? Like, this is awesome. Like, what's happening? And then, like, credits roll, and we just both sit there in silence. 
And then we just talked about it for like hours where it was like, no, I think this is what happened. No, because da 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 da. And the reason for that is, is like Shane Carruth um, in that movie and in this movie is he gives you the information that you remember. And it's weird to say that, but like, think like, so if, you know, you're listening to this podcast now and you're hearing me and Z talk, you're not going to remember sentences or phrases or things. You're going to look back on this podcast and think, oh, he talked about Evil Dead and said this about it, or he talked about trance, they talked about Upstream Color, I think their last home standing, like, this week was blah, blah, blah. Like, small details, but he presents those as part of his narrative. So you're watching these characters that you're never formally introduced to in a way that you'll see in a traditional movie, and the movie is, like, for the vast, like, 30, 45 minutes, there's not really a whole lot of dialogue. There's, like, a paragraph at most. And when you do hear dialogue, it's that type of dialogue that, like, you project what you need to to fill in the gaps. There's a couple that's divorcing um, in the movie, and you kind of see them interacting, and the scene keeps replaying over and over, and there's, like, different audio cues, and it's being paralleled with this other kind of world type thing um which i mean i sort of be like really vague because he explained yeah, really it really vague because yeah. i kind of want to he, he yeah uh, are you talking about upstream color or yeah no no yeah because so yeah. i'm sorry like yeah. you were talking about primer yeah so back to yeah so back upstream with color. back with upstream color. Oh, okay so yeah, we're, yeah. we're back yeah. on that so you're kind of like Shane Baruthing us now exactly. by like mixing two two films and we don't know which one you're which was funny about. because in the Q and A someone goes and this is why I think it's really funny too and what's primer you, about yeah it's it's funny when someone uh, when you have several you know movies um, just when I had made like a bunch of shorts and someone points something out to you and you're like oh it never occurred to me that like that's how I see all of my characters kind of thing. And in this movie, or not this movie, but during the Q&A, someone was like, you know, with your first movie and this movie, you seem to be really concerned about losing track of time. And he goes, I hope that's just a coincidence. <laughs> He's just like, that wasn't my intention with the first movie or this movie. He's like, but now that you say that, I can see what you mean. And then he, you could just see him, like, thinking about that in his head. And I was like, oh, that's really funny. And that's the same thing happened to me with, like, uh, with, like, the shorts that I've made, like, in high school and, like, college and stuff, where they're just like, are you aware that, like, all of your characters, like, the woman they love dies, and it's them, like, dealing with it? And I was just kind of like, no. That is interesting, though. I'm sure that says something to me but that I haven't, like, consciously come to terms with because oh, that has yeah, not happened to me and I've never known anyone that that's happened to but I was like no that's really you've watched too many movies of course <laughs> that, that happens yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah so with this uh, and then what I was talking about before with a divorced couple um, was about upstream color and it's just that you see them sort of having this moment but then they say things like she just goes I want to be better and the guy kind of walks out and that's like all the dialogue, but that's that, that string of dialogue keeps repeating and it keeps repeating. Um, and so you kind of are like, oh, okay, who is this couple? Oh, okay, they're having trouble. Oh, like he, it wasn't his fault, like something she did. Like you're just putting all these things that like aren't there, but like if you were watching a movie that explicitly went over that thing, you're only seeing the part that you need to know to like understand what's happening in that scene sort of thing. Um, so he gives you the minimum possible yeah. information. Yeah. 
And it's just like it's cool the way that he does that with sort of all of his characters. But is that the only thing sort of that really draws you in? Like, because you could have a film that's really interestingly made, but then has just the kind of like just kind of a base story that really doesn't doesn't you know like when you then kind of look at the story that it tells, it's just kind of like okay, who cares? Like it's a guy going to the bathroom you know yeah uh but it's told backwards so it's interesting uh (laughs) but um you know does it does the story also kind of support does it hold up yeah and the thing is it's because you have um basically multiple storylines going on but while you have these multiple storylines going on you're trying to figure out how they're all connected because it's not just three stories about, you know, humans. It's like three stories where it's like something is different. Who is this guy? What does it have to do with this sort of farm? What are these two characters, Shane Caproof and this other girl? Why is them getting together important? What is the situation with this, like, divorce couple kind of thing? And it's really cool because it's like, your mind is sort of trying to reconcile this, but not in a distracting way. It's kind of like you're trying to predict the relationships or the correlation between these relationships. And then what the movie does extremely well is it it ends in a way that is satisfying, but it's not in a way that... I guess the best keeps everything yeah, wrapped up in yeah, a bow. Yeah, like nothing. Yeah, it's not really wrapped up in a bow. Like in in, and again, like I'm trying to like you want to compare around. it to Inception. No, I was gonna. What I was gonna say is the way that people were upset about Lost because they were like, I feel like I didn't get answers to the world I was in. I got maybe answers the characters needed, but I didn't get answers to why is there this? Why is this happening? What was the iron blah blah blah? Why is this number significant? Like all these kind of things. This movie, I think, accomplishes what those people wanted, where it kind of, it kind of, it does demand that you think about the way that it is ending and just the, I guess, your perception of of life and what these things are having to do with each other. And the reason this is sounding like crazy is because it is like, uh, A, I was just telling Z, like, during the Q&A, um, and this is something that I would actually really like to hear from from you all, like either tweet at us or email us. How do you feel about when filmmakers or storytellers uh, talk about the endings of their movies and what they what they intended by writing it? Um, Shane Carruth during the Q and A actually was asked about the ending, and he made a joke about you know like he could get into a lot of trouble about this, like to who to him, uh, but he was just like, okay, this is this is what. I was thinking when I wrote the ending and he explained it all and it was kind of like oh, okay like even as I was thinking about the movie that's what I was thinking but now the way that he articulated it it kind of framed what I was thinking like it was sort of like just left of center where I was kind of like oh I think it's about this and it's like oh it is but it's also this kind of thing um would still highly highly recommend it if you've seen Primer I haven't seen Primer in like eight years so it's hard to say Netflix now so it's interesting it's hard to say whether or not Primer is an ending as far as clarity and ambiguity uh, in comparison to this but I remember walking away from Primer 
not having like and, yeah not being confused or having questions uh, and it was I think I think I would have felt the same way You're here one of the few people I think people are just this this is what happened from we, what I yeah, hear yeah, from yeah, what yeah. I hear I never saw the film so I can't say I, I kind of want to see it because I because I I consider myself good at solving those film puzzles you know at least for the most and part, this is but. why I generally prefer um and it was sort of by like necessity at first but now i just genuinely prefer like why i like watching movies sort of by myself because whenever you have movies that do raise these questions just human nature if you're with someone you feel the need to kind of turn to them or like they feel the need what to turn happened? to you and be like yeah so what does this mean like da, da, da. and yeah, then you lose no, that I... like three four five ten seconds of something that had you just like waited for the full context you might have had enough information yeah no like, i'm i'm with you totally like when i'm watching a movie i don't like unless it's like some kind of a comedy or something like that where we're kind of like joking yeah. like look at each other and yeah. like laugh or whatever it yeah. is but for the most part like if i'm watching a movie especially something as engrossing as that or like um you know to me like inception was kind of a good example because it really keeps your attention you know stuff like that just leave me alone yeah let me watch the movie. We can discuss it later. Like oftentimes, oftentimes you can tell that they're gonna like that they're throwing these things out there, and those are things that are gonna come together. Yeah. Eventually, probably at the end of the movie. So like when people are trying to get ahead of themselves and 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 put together these things before their time, and it's like, and they're like, oh, why is this? What? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It just yeah. happened. You know, you saw as much as I did. Why the fuck would you, why are you asking me? Why is he betraying him now? I don't know. He's like, I don't I know. I just realized he's betraying him too. <laughs> Let's wait a second and see. Maybe somebody will say Maybe something. Maybe he has a reason. Yeah. Maybe he's under duress. Maybe he's a cop. I don't know. Like, yeah. give it a second. You know, it's just like, so I guess the lesson of today's podcast is give it a fucking minute man watch the movie till the end and then figure it out and get off your fucking phone man (laughs) but yes now uh that we have discussed well actually we didn't uh, you didn't rate uh yeah it's it's tough uh is it a five star that's what i'm thinking because I, i definitely don't have negative feedback on this movie um nor do i have oh that was too weird it would have been better if they just like blah, 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 kind of thing um and it is something that i want to watch again which is something that i really do reserve for five star movies where i'm like yeah i want to buy that and watch it um just kind of just to study the language of it and just just various different things about it um but yeah i mean i'll, I'll give this a five so i'll put this with i feel like i gave stoker a five i'm like kind of vague on I that think i think you were like, kind of like four and yeah, a half five yeah three, spring breaker's definitely three. five this is five um as well and then, yeah i mean this you know um it, the way you'd speak about this film it reminds me like to me the best example of that kind of like film is uh mulholland drive i remember watching that film for the first time and thinking what the fuck did I just see? Like, I I had no, like, um, <laughs> concept of what really happened in the movie. Yeah. It was just, like, a bunch of it, these images and things, and then, like, there was, like, these half storylines that then just, like, abruptly stop and give way to other storylines that you're just like, what the hell is happening? And And it was really cool to sort of then 
slowly put this puzzle together because even though I did not understand it, there was something in my head, like sort of in the back of my mind that was telling me, yeah, but there is a solution. It's there. Like, you're just not fully seeing it. You just need to kind of like take your time, think about this, like, you know, like maybe watch it again, maybe talk to some people, you know, talk it out or whatever it is. And, and I think some films can do that. Like, there's a, there's, there are films that you watch and you, they're just kind of an ju- incoherent jumble and you're just kind of like, okay, let's just move on from this. But there are films that you watch and you might not fully understand everything that happens in the film, but there's something in your mind that says, yeah, you know, there is, there is, it, it does come together. There yeah. is more to it. It's not just, like, you know, random things. Like, I, I feel like our, our sort of subconscious picks up on those kind of cues and, and kind of is, is giving us a sense of like, yeah, you didn't consciously fully understand it, but there is more to it. And, I, and that's kind of like what it makes me think of, like when you speak of this film. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I'm, I'm definitely going to um, try and catch Primer soon uh, whenever I have a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, I got to try it, to like so. figure out like... And sort of what I was, what I've said, and some of those of you who've been following the podcast for like, you know, at least even the last few months, I, I've, I can feel my taste changing, and I think it's because I am becoming numb to commercial film, where it's like, yeah, it is I mean, all running together. So like, when something like Spring Breakers happens, it's just like, wow, I forgot that they still like that movies like this like get made, like yeah. not even just like commercially released. It's like you forget that these are movies that get like people actually like write and direct Come kind of thing yeah stuff. and so like with yeah. upstream color um you know also having an impact in stoker uh I definitely just want to try to like seek those out more often now i know ifc i the last thing i saw on ifc was um the uh holy motors uh which i thought was okay kind of thing um didn't really kind of it's sit been a while for me i think road trip was was the last not road trip road trip with um Steve Coogan. Oh, uh, I think it's just the trip, right? The trip, the trip. Yeah, I think that was like the last thing I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, um, upstream color. But so, am I <laughs> right to deduce that you have made a decision of what will be your last film standing, standing, standing? So yeah, if uh, obviously Upstream Color is about a forty-minute subway ride for us, uh, I don't. I think would, you'll I, yeah, be able to watch. Yeah, it I don't think. You are. Yeah, I don't think it's going to get a wide release. I think it was one of those. Uh, probably was at a film festival and then got distributed at IFC with their connection to said film festival. So this is probably going to be. You something. might get lucky in your yeah. your indie movie theater somewhere in the corner of a. Yeah. Weird yeah, street. your your art house maybe will get it more than likely, and a lot of other Probably indie not. filmmakers are doing the on demand thing where they release it, you know, in a, in they basically release it in oh, a yes. theater for for a week so that it can potentially get. Uh, that's the that's basically the minimum requirement for the Academy Awards is that it must play in a major market for at least a week, um, which is why I'm assuming stuff like this kind of only shows up for a week, um, but. Highly, highly recommend this movie, Upstream Color, check it out. So I guess welcome to the punch movie. Yeah. Movie. So it's probably, yeah, exactly. 
So it's probably on demand, uh, and then it'll eventually, of course, end up in the streaming and kind of disc-based circuits. Um, if you can't watch Upstream Color uh, and you're looking at Trance or Evil Dead, uh, it just really comes down to what we were talking about before. If you're a horror connoisseur, uh, you know, there are worse horror movies out there. But uh, if horror is not your thing, Trance isn't a bad movie, but I was kind of, I guess, just middle of the road with it. Yeah, I, w- I would say for, for myself, you know, I enjoyed Trance, uh, so I would say it's it's worth checking it out at the movie theaters. Um, and also, like, to be a little bit obnoxious, you, can, you know, you, you kind of have to mention for the fellas out there that you do have <laughs> uh, a full a frontal reason. of yeah. Rosaria Dawson in this movie. Um, which is not a bad uh, thing. And well, Very that's, kind of that's for the fellas and the yeah. ladies who yeah. are interested in ladies, uh, or in Rosaria Dawson particularly. Um, anyways. That actually has a plot point. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's not gratuitous nudity. But it's new. Uh, no, it's just uh, I, I thought in general it was a pretty solid film, and actually, you know, Rosario Dawson's character is uh, is quite an interesting and strong character, which which I'm really glad to see. You know, we always She's talk about like She's definitely yeah, we always talk about sort of strong female characters within films, and and uh, she is an actress that can pull off really strong characters. And, uh, you know, in this film, she does, you know. So um, on top of, you know, everybody else, like Vincent Cassell, who's really good, um, and um, James McAvoy, who plays a really interesting kind of cool character, who kind of, like, you know, there's so much more to him than meets the eye, really, which is kind of cool. (laughs) So, so yeah, um, I would say it's worth checking out. So that's that's my judgment. If you are a uh, a couple, yeah, I was gonna say you'll see evil yeah. dead because yeah, I was gonna to say if you're if, I was gonna say if, if you're a couple, no, you're, you're gonna want to you're gonna want to ditch your significant other to watch upstream color because one of you is gonna ruin it for the other one. If you what? By what? By talking. By being, by being perplexed and then feeling obligated to ask your significant other to clarify a movie that... Or just, <laughs> just make a rule that there's no talking until the end of the movie. Yeah, the one thing about that, that theater those movies. is that uh, I forgot that they don't really play trailers. Um, so, you know, it starts on time. Usually they're like 10, 15 minutes before anyway. And, like, again, like my PSA about, like, if you're walking into a movie and it's like 20 minutes late and the filmmaker is there yeah first of all it's you know now we're going into spring summer so you know you won't have coats and stuff get that situated before you even attempt to find optimum seats which you shouldn't be doing when you're coming that late because it's just like those seats in the IFC they're not really meant for people to like walk over each other like they're pretty much like they're, they're really like they're on like top scre- of each other. They're like yeah. screening room seats where it's yeah. just like you sit in practically a recliner. So it's like you literally are affecting two rows of people for you to like walk through there. And this like couple came in like thirty minutes in the movie, and I was like, I made a note of that, and I was just like, if I missed 
the first 30 minutes and be like, what would I think this movie is about? Because it's just like, as I said, like there's not why, a whole lot of why dialogue. Why would you yet. even walk into a movie 30 minutes late? Because everyone has this like, misconception. Like, you start walking yeah. into the movie and you're like, yeah. 30 minutes late. There's no point in seeing a movie. You, yeah. it, it's like... It's because I, I people, just, it's, people have this perception... And it's really people who don't watch movies in theaters, but like for like one or two times a year. But it's like they have this perception that oh, they play like thirty minutes of previews, and it's just like no. What happens is on opening weekend, Friday through Sunday, on commercial wide releases. Yes, they play like fifteen minutes of previews because everyone's basically debuting something that's where all the seats are da, da, da. but after matter, opening weekend like... it's at best and having worked at a movie theater at best it's like five to like Listen, eight minutes i say this should be instituted <laughs> as a rule in the movie theaters outside of like we see your phone you're out of here that's one thing anyone outside of the person next to you hears you talking you know, the yeah. person you're talking to, you're out of there. And the third rule, the moment that the movie starts, the doors are locked. Yeah. Like, not literally locked because yeah. they have to be exits. But <laughs> you are not allowed to enter the movie I theater. think that's what the Alamo is supposed to be like. I that's, hope it is because I, I got to double check on that because I think that's supposed to be open, actually, this spring, um, if not this summer. Really? Definitely this year, yeah. Where? Uh, Upper East. Upper or East? Upper West, rather. Upper West. Yeah. Cool. I'm really curious to know how so, that theater's going to function in New York with New Yorkers being New Yorkers. Beyond uh, Lincoln Center? Up there? I think, yeah, either beyond or in between. For some reason, I want to say it's going to be in between. I almost actually watched that. Uh, the Shia in between LaBeouf, Lincoln Center? Lincoln Center and uh, Times Square. I kind of uh, figured those were like. Yeah. Um, I almost watched that movie when I was walking by there, the uh, Shia LaBeouf Robert Redford thing, and then I was just like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> As a see of Shia LaBeouf badmouth this movie, um, <laughs> since that's his mo. Yeah. It's kind of uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Which brings us to plugs of the week. Uh, in the last seven days, has there been anything worth mentioning? Um, I'm sure there has. Uh, for me though, it's still kind of more or less on this sort of the same bandwagon as far as like TV shows that I'm watching over Netflix and stuff like that um I think um on the 16th or so uh the next Netflix uh original show called Hemlock Grove which uh from what I know is like a horror show uh, um that's definitely the rolling the dice is uh is being released I think there's kind of like, you know Because that's like, like specific quadrant of, of people who would watch that movie versus, for a series versus like House of Cars, where it's like, oh, okay, everyone could give it a chance. But like, it's not for everyone. Yeah, House yeah, of Cars but I, that, yeah. I think they don't really, they're not really that worried about it. No. I, I think they're not, um, for them it's not necessarily like, oh, we need to gain subscribers yeah. with this. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, you know, we'll let people know. They might watch it. There might be a few people who, like, hear about it and think it's great and they want to see it, you know, and yeah. they'll get a subscription. But, uh, you know, I think it's just kind of offering 
a broad spectrum of shows so that you feel like you can ditch cable. Yeah. So that you feel like, oh, instead of, like, watching cable, I have, like, all these new shows. Oh, yeah, there's, like, a... I like horror. The one thing that Netflix has above anybody is that they can't cancel a show mid-season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's like... So... Yeah. Which is the whole reason the Catch-22 where people don't watch new shows now because they're just like, oh, I don't want to, like, get invested in something and then it's just like, oh, you just pull the plug. Netflix, it's like, here's a season. We might not read enough after the season, but at least you're getting a full story. And also, the thing is, you can just binge watch it. Yeah. You don't have to wait every... You know, people... I, I personally don't want to have to wait a week, you know, to yeah. watch a show. Like, I want to watch it whenever it's convenient for me. So if I'll watch four shows today if I can, and then, like, I won't watch it for a month because I don't have time, that's fine. Yeah. I can do that. You know, so yeah. so that's kind of... Uh, do you have anything else? Um, not that I can think of the second, but, you know, if I think of anything else. You know, how about you? Um, you, got, you got any interesting, any good stuff? Nothing outstanding. Stuff? No. Um, oh, man. Did we talk about the? Did I talk about the purge with you already? I was. I, I sent it around to people at work at Ethan Hawks movie. No, um, I don't think we have. So this, it's funny because I feel like I like almost broke the news on on the purge because I sent it out and hadn't. It was one of those things where I was just doing research at work for uh, for a client of ours um, or for a client from other job that I have. I'd say um, and it only had a couple hundred views on it and I was like wow this movie could be one of the coolest movies ever made um, and I feel like it's going to totally depend on the ending but check it out uh, the trailer is called The Purge basic premise is that crime and unemployment and all of these things are at the absolute minimum because one night a year entitled The Purge for 12 hours. We kill everybody who's unemployed. All crime is legal. And so the premise is basically, and you'll, you're making the face, but when you see the trailer, you'll kind of get the more of the full context into it, but it's like basically, this is this is like a societal thing. That's so you literally can it works. go out and, and our sort of Ethan Hawke is explaining to his kids, he's just like, you know, it's the one night of the year that you can get anything off your chest, basically. And it's like, it, it so makes it's sense. Sort of. I mean, it makes sense where it's just like, man, like, I so can't can stand... kill your wife? Yeah, and it's totally legal. And that's the thing. Like, it's like, you spend all this time... And but he's like, people are kinder. That also that also presumes that uh, crime is just kind of done out of frustration. Well, uh, think about it this I mean, way. There's also you would not good impulse, amount of crime. You would not do impulse crime knowing that you could get caught and be whatever... But if on this one day a year, you could literally, oh, I can't stand that guy on the night of the purge, I'm going to go kill him. And you could totally do it in plain sight in the middle of public with other people throwing rides and destroying stuff and totally be good. Yeah, but what about all the crime of like, you know, drug sales and all of that? Does that stop for some reason? I would say say that world and, and, and do heroin anymore because they can do it once a year. That doesn't work. I think it's violent crime. More Bullshit. But I, we'll watch the trailer to this and we'll see. But yeah, it just looks really, really cool. Uh, and then sort of the story inside of that premise is that there's a guy who's basically like running down the street 
Um, the daughter, who is not as jaded as we would all be during this night, uh, disarms their, like, zombie doors type thing. The guy runs in, doors close, and this group of people go up to the house, and they're kind of like, for tonight's purge, the person that we are looking to kill is in your house. If you don't send him out, we're going to come in and kill all of you. Um, which is kind of cool, and they show, like, a lot of cool clips. It's almost like straw dogs So, so... You could have a panic room that's like you know kind of impregnable. Yeah, the idea is that you would just be impregnable for twelve hours, and then at that point you would you would have exactly what you have now, which is if I knew that I could get caught, I probably won't. But if I don't care about getting caught, I'm still going to do it, kind of thing. But so then it's kind of like that angle to it. I don't get it. So it's like. I could go out and rob a bank now, but then if I get caught, like, I'm screwed. But on the night of the purge, I'm sure banks are, like, super fortified, but I could literally spend the 12 hours with my awesome crew of people breaking into this bank, stealing, and we could get away with it and be totally good. Yeah, but, I mean, that wouldn't, I, it doesn't work. I mean, because if, if everybody, like, if, if you are a bank, okay, and you know somebody's going to try and hijack you that day, okay, so you probably would so what you do is yeah. is you set it up in a in a basically unopenable vault, which banks already have at this yeah. point, which are like time release vaults, which just open up at certain times, and you just set the time for 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 um for the next day. No codes, no way for anyone to open it. Even the people who have set the codes basically can't open it because <laughs> the codes are automatically changed. And that's it, you know? I yeah. mean, that's not that hard. They could do it. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, it, w- it would make no sense. You can come in there, kill everybody. Nobody can open the safe. You can't open the safe. You can't take it out because this is not Fast and the Furious and you can lug... 20 okay. million ton safes with a car yeah. but you know basically you know it's like it wouldn't make any sense like you could build a panic room in your house that's basically a 20 inch steel safe that you know you close and you know it you can't open it you know until the next day and no one can get it so Z, and what's their point? So Z calls so. shenanigans on the purge, but I call shenanigans if you've, on the purge. If you've seen the trailer, two things, if you've seen the trailer, then you can laugh alongside with me with that. I uh, say two things. The other trailer I saw, which was kind of a really oh, yeah. anticlimactic giant shrug, was Carrie. Actually, I mean, I was kind of indifferent even oh, on yeah. paper with it, but I saw it and I was like, okay. yeah, I mean, like I was like, I see the spin they're trying the to put on it. The actress is there yeah. and stuff, but um, but it was just like, eh. but. I'm just kind of like, you know, just watch the original Carrie. It was a yeah. good movie. It still holds up really well. You know, there's no reason to go on changing what works. I mean, or redoing what already worked. I, I think it was think. just because of the casting of her, probably. I think it was kind of one of those where it's yeah, like, oh, cool, we mean, got the girl who was in the remake of Let the Right One In, and from Hit Girl, like, this is going to be great. And it's, you know, it's... Unnecessary. yeah. Let's do something different with her. She she's got talent. Let's let's make something yeah. instead of let, uh, re, let's rehash all the crap. Yeah. Uh, and then of course, uh, Z and I just watched the trailer which dropped today for Elysium. Elysium. Uh, looks cool. 
It's like yeah. a, it's a nice tr- first trailer. It's one of those things where I wish Hollywood would not feel the need to, uh, even though I get that sometimes they need to do the teaser and then that this is what the story is. But then in the case of Oblivion, who every movie had the giant Oblivion push for like two months, I was like, oh, okay, we get it. I'll go watch that when it comes out. But now, recently, they've been revealing so much more of that story where I was like, all right, well, the theory that I had based on the teaser that I was trying not to overthink so as to ruin the movie has been confirmed tenfold by all the latest marketing. Uh, so it's just kind of like, I hope it's a fun ride. Yeah. Um, well, there's there's a few... Actually, talking about trailers, do you mind if I jump in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just uh, a couple of other trailers. Trailer for um, for um, uh, Ron Howard's next film, mm-hmm. Rush, uh, with Chris Hemsworth. Um, as uh, You know, it's a story about... Um, you know, a couple of Formula One racers in the 70s, uh, sort of the, um, Chris Hemsworth is playing, um, um, uh, James Hunt, and then you have, um, Daniel Brühl, who's playing Nicky Lauda, and it's sort of like their rivalry, and, um, going through sort of a bad accident that Nicky Lauda had that kind of, like, changed a lot as far as, like, safety and racing and things like that. So, um, you know, it it looks really cool. And uh, myself, as, like, a Formula One fan, and I I remember in the 80s uh, seeing Nicky Lauda race, and I was a fan, and, you know, then kind of, like, a fan of the sport in general. So it's kind of cool uh, to see. I'm looking forward to it. It looks cool, too. Like, I think it it looks like it's going to be fun to watch, you know, these kind of cars speeding through. Um, you know, there's, uh, there was something else that I saw, and I'm trying to remember, um, but, yeah, I can't think of it right now, off the top of my head. Um, yeah, so, back to you. Oh, I actually also wanted to just say, um, uh, you know, we review movies now, and you know we kind of do it for fun, and we, we, we do it all this stuff. But um, I I've been a huge fan of Roger Ebert for a long, long time. Reading his reviews, uh, valuing his opinions, not always agreeing, but oftentimes agreeing. And when I disagreed, you know, it's you know it was cool. Um, I, you know, I always respected his writing, and I think he's, like, someone who's changed sort of the idea of a film critic and what a film critic could be. Uh, that's That goes, um, so, like, big thanks and big sort of props go out to um, Roger Ebert, who um, died this past week, um, was 70 years old, and uh, had been suffering, um, had been fighting cancer for a long time. Sad day, sad week for us. Um, for me, definitely, I remember I was pretty shocked when I heard it. So, yeah, I was, just, I was reading one of the um, the articles I was just talking about Siskel and Ebert when they kind of were starting, and this is kind of funny because they were just like they basically were just two guys arguing, but people liked listening to them argue, and I was just like, oh, that reminds me of every Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are uh, continuing in their tradition. Yes. So there you go. Perhaps someday they will look back on these early podcasts when we break four digits. <laughs> and be like, all they do is argue. My, um, yeah, one of the, uh, We didn't argue today. Yeah. Except 
You don't know what's good. Trance is awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid it's in Atlanta. Actually, he hasn't said you've been angry in a while. So. I've been a little calmer, I think, lately, but uh, I don't know what, what leads to this. It might be a phase of calmness in my I know what it is. It's still, it's still my, my theory on, on certain movies thematically that trigger you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, well... I'll do one of those. I'll do one of those. I'll do one of those where I'll write it down in an envelope and like seal the envelope and just like keep it in the fridge and then right in the Until middle of one of your rants. Yeah, right in the middle of one of your rants. I'll go to the fridge on camera. We'll vine it, listeners, <laughs> and I'll sit there and open it up and show we'll you. We'll vine it for yeah. six seconds <laughs> and show you why I thought this could happen. Apparently, you can uh, do a vine video and send it to Tribeca. Yeah. They have like a category for that. Something like that. And so, listeners, that is 117 episodes. Tell your friends that they can find Last Film Standing on iTunes via the web and iTunes itself, as well as Stitcher.com via their website or various mobile apps where you can subscribe, rate, and review us. And of course, you can follow myself on Twitter at Lamar Diablo. That's L A M A R Diablo. You can follow Zed on Twitter at Last Z Standing. And of course, you can contact us the new old fashioned way at feedback at lastfilmstanding.com. Again, if you've seen either of those three movies, Trance, Upstream Color, and The Evil Dead. And of course, uh, as we mentioned, if you. How do you feel about filmmakers talking um, in spoilerish detail about the endings of the movies? Would you rather they leave it up to you, the audience, to figure it out, or do you actually like getting that clarity of uh, intent? Let us know. Well, yeah. Let's not not extend that discussion, because I was just going to start a whole other conversation about that. So thanks uh, for listening listeners listeners and I remember that day as we said this podcast is in your ears right now and the only thing that you can do is tell your friends <laughs> <laughs>